We know that going into the holiday season, the Christmas season, so many of us are going to be stepping back into spaces, whether it's our hometowns or our family of origin, and we feel like we don't fit, whether it's fit their narrative of what they think of us, and we feel like we're a problem at times. And so today, we're going to be sharing a quote that Dr. Glenn and Phyllis's daughter said to them and in a conversation that has just struck our team as such an identity issue and, and a way to help us frame our mindset as we are going into this season. But it can be applied far further than just the holiday season. Welcome to the Connection Codes podcast. This is the podcast where we break open the emotions that take us from being disconnected to connected in our relationships and in ourselves. I am your host, Tara Wages, and joining me is marriage and family therapist, clinical sexologist, Dr. Glenn Hill, and his incredible wife, Phyllis Hill. Together, they have founded The Connection Codes, which is the guide to human connection. And we're so glad you're here. Yes. Hello, world. Hi, friends. No, babe, I think we just have to start with you reading mm. uh, the quote yes. that our middle daughter Yeah, that great philosopher, Star Elise. <laughs> and her husband was with her, so I don't know who actually came up with it. I think she actually verbalized it first, but way to go, Taylor. Uh, I just, and we, the conversation was this very concept that he had felt, and I think it's true for so many of us, if not most of us, but he had felt so defective most of his life. Mm. And so then Star said, I always thought I was defective because I didn't fit into the box. I finally realized the box is defective. That was wow. just, oh, just gives so, me shivers and mm. tears. What about that? gives you shivers and tears. What about that makes you well, feel emotional? I, my positioning is that there are 8 billion, thus, as far as currently on the planet, 8 billion versions of humans. Mm. And my fear is that we have said, no, 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 there's whatever, pick a number. There's three or there's 10 or mm. there's, and you have to be like that. And so much mm. damage comes out of that so that then people are like, well, I'm not like that. So there must be something wrong with me. And the Connection Coast Protocol, if we must feel heard. If not, we get louder and louder. And so then people get louder and louder. And they mm. do some intense, crazy things. Of course, we judge the crazy thing they did, the detrimental behavior, which I get that. I'm not agreeing or condoning. But the problem is what mm. led to that detrimental behavior. And I think how many things, how many lives have been damaged because we were trying to and i'm talking about societally although there are individuals that we are trying to force them to fit in the box we know we have already decided you need to behave this way you need to function like this and if you don't then we label you we pathologize you we judge you Mm. Uh, and i think that's the power of the ooh so somebody presents something that doesn't fit and i'm not talking about being a serial killer here i'm just talking about not being in the norm and the norm is simply 51 percent. so i don't 49 percent of the people don't fit in mm. <laughs> to the norm in, in any one area and to be able to just ooh people and go oh wow okay all right i hear you so that's what happens with you there well, i'll be darned that's different than what i experience but it doesn't make it wrong it's just different than what i and 51 percent of the population experience mm. yeah I think that's so interesting because you say 51% is the norm. And I know that you would agree with this, that in reality, even that 51% is not the norm. 
most of them were probably just hiding the thing mm-hmm. that would not fit into the category of what they the world has deemed as norm. You sharing that, it takes me back to an experience that I had in college. Um, finally, my senior year, after being begged and begged and begged to rush a sorority, agreed to do it my senior year. And at this point now, I'm on the other side of rush. And so I'm rushing these girls walking in the door. And there is no place on earth, I don't feel like, that there is not a bigger definition of what they consider norm. What box you're supposed to fit in and what you're supposed to look like. And I really didn't fit into that box very well. I was more of the artsy, hippie style person. And I remember watching these girls walk in the room and seeing one come in that looked artsy and me knowing, oh, that's my girl. They're going to assign me that girl to talk to because I'm the artsy girl and no one is going to speak to us the rest of the time because they don't want her in. They didn't want her in and they would give her to me because she didn't fit their definition of norm. And so we as a society have even created all of these sectors of life and defined what we think someone is supposed to look like, act like, be like, sing like. And when they don't, we ostracize them, which then creates so much loneliness in their life and makes them question then every other box that they're supposed to fit in. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely done this mm-hmm. in our faith-based communities for centuries. This is not a new development, but we also do it in the secular uh, world. Uh, you know, I am a licensed therapist. We use the DSM. The DSM is incredibly pathologizing. I believe there are some good things that have come out of the DSM understanding humanity, understanding struggles. I don't think people know what that is. Can you explain what that is? Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's like a 1,200-page book that you should never bother reading. But it's just labeling of human, whatever, OCD, bipolar, uh, psychotic, (laughs) uh, neurotic, schizophrenic, whatever. And we label people and we pathologize them. And if you've done the foundations course, which if you hadn't, give yourself that for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Because in the relationship science videos, we talk about that. Psychological disorders, which I don't even like that term, but they don't exist in a category. They're in a, on a spectrum. And everybody's on spectrums of various ones. So it's not mm. that you're psychotic or you're not. No, all of us deal with the psychosis at some point in some situation in life. It's not mm. that you're OCD or you're not. Well, all of us deal with OCD on some level. Zero to 100, it might be a five, but yeah, all of us uh, do. So if we take it out of uh, pathology you go, oh, okay, so that's what happens with you. I'll be darned. Hmm. So that's a big thing for you. I look at you and you're, the cord on your headphone is twisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pain point for me. It's not for you. Well, who's right <laughs> and who's wrong? Well, obviously I'm right because that should be straight. Well, no, it's not a pain point for you. It is for me. And you can pathologize me and go, well, Glenn, you have some issues. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, sure, I do. But that's just my experience. That's what happens for me in the moment, which, of course, Sorry, I'm going awry here, but the first numerous years of our marriage drove Phyllis nuts because she didn't know what to do Mm. with this poor guy that was always triggered. You know, I'd say always, we never say always with human behavior. I was always triggered because life is not perfect Mm -hmm. and cords do get twisted and things do get knocked off a straight line and then it's overwhelming. For me and she didn't know what to do so she was exhausted because she was always trying to stay 10 feet ahead of me to fix everything which is not possible i'm thinking as i'm sitting here even in the first few minutes of this conversation that this is i i feel some fear that this is 
a tricky conversation to have because mm-hmm. I'm already yeah. thinking who all listens to our podcast. Yeah. Where my mind is going is back to our families of origin. Yeah. And of course, we work with a lot of families. We work with a lot of couples who have children and we hear a lot of stories. And I can talk about, though, just my family of origin or Glenn's family of origin and even what he just now shared with his challenges in obsessive compulsive disorder and how as a child, it's like your siblings, um, you everything had to be in order and you had certain toys that you would always line up perfectly or your bed, you made it perfectly and your sibling would come in purposefully and knock over your things to disorder them or they would pull your sheet on or your blanket just to out of unkindness, just because they didn't like your order. And, you know. Well, and I was just not because they didn't like it. They just didn't care. And they just thought I was whatever, dysfunctional, which I was. But They considered it weird. And I think that, to some degree, can be, maybe for some listeners, they have those similar stories where how they functioned in their family unit they were different. And, you know, it's interesting, even Tira, you talking about college and you labeled yourself mm. artsy hippie. Yeah. And that obviously was not the norm. Right. And so you stood out and that was considered almost not acceptable. Mm. And I just think about slowing it down, especially for our listeners, because a lot of you are in families. I think to go back to, even this time of year where you mentioned that we, we go back to hometowns, we go back to into our family units. And I read something just yesterday and it was referencing Hallmark movies and that we see that and it's always this happy time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. The family's together and they're making gingerbread houses and it looks so beautiful and fun and easy. And so we almost think that's what's normal. Right. And yet it's not. It's not. It's not what so many of us have. And yet we feel like we're the broken ones Mm. because that's obviously normal. And we also don't think we have a choice. Mm. We have to go back and we have to be at Aunt Sally's house for the holidays because that's what's always done for the past 20 years or whatever. Mm. And it's so difficult. Over the years, I just think we've we have shared with so many and so many have shared with us. And it's, I just know for some people, it takes about two months to just recover Mm. from the holidays because of the family dynamics. And it's like you lose and forget who you are when you go back into those spaces and you're so judged. Right. You mentioned the word identity. For many of us, we lose identity Mm. when we go back into those spaces and I think of the word just judgment, that there's a lot of judging. Right. And even if you are a family union, a mom and a dad, and you have several children, I think often in parenting, we think our children should all be the same. Yeah. They should look the same. They should dress the way we want them to dress. Mm -hmm. They should have hairstyles that we prefer. They should choose sports that we're interested in and the list is endless. And then you get a child that at some point wants their own way, wants to be totally. different. Yeah. And I know we were working with a family that 
they are pastors. And so even in that box, you have a certain expectation. Your children are expected to behave. And they have quite a few children. And one of them at an early age uh, really started going way off the beaten path of their beliefs, their morality beliefs and all these things. And they had to choose in that moment, do we lose this relationship forever or do we stay connected? Right. And thankfully, they're mega connection coders, and they chose connection. Is it painful? Absolutely. When you see your child going off into parts of his story that are painful, and they're going to cause damage, Mm. how do you stay connected without judging, without Mm. condemning? And it's been a beautiful journey to watch them hang on to connection. Mm and to make space for the child that is different, that's choosing that's, different. Well, but that is different based on their own perceived idea of what it's supposed to be. And, and that's what I was saying earlier is really we are all different. For us to say, well, you're choosing a path that's different, it's just different than my path. It doesn't make you different. Well, I think though sometimes, when, especially as a parent, when you see your child deciding to get into drugs you go man this is not going to lead you right. down a good road i would buddy. say it's a painful it is but painful. not necessarily labeling them as different right and so right. i think that that is a big distinction that we even can make within our homes that i had lunch with a mom yesterday and it was so refreshing our kids are about the same age she has five of them though And she said, my husband and I tease that we were just trying to see how many different personalities we could make. (laughs) We just wanted to see how many different personalities because each of them are so completely different and unique. And, And I can see that in my own family. So I enjoyed hearing her say that. And we do, we have these expectations. Oh, and what I had said to her is we think as parents that we get to tell our kids who they're gonna be. Oh, I'm gonna have quote unquote, good kids, and they're all going to be athletic, and they're all going to or be artsy, musician. We all think that I can tell them, no, you're going to be a girly girl. I didn't. I do not have a girly girl in my house, and that was very shocking to me. And I thought that I was going to be able to influence that. No, man, that kid came out who she is for a lot of ways. And yeah, there are different influences that impact her, but she is who she is. And so I think that we can look at each other and through the emotion of, like, oh, this is a painful path. But when we look at our sibling, we're like, well, you're different. Mm. Because you're making these decisions that feel hard to us, that's where we create the division. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think, you know, it's interesting. I think this is where my fear kicks in, but we've, we've been around a lot of our families mm. um, in the last few months. And it's just interesting how now some of the younger generations are coming to visit us and stay with us. And so we just listen a lot. We mm. hear their stories. And it is it is where you go, oh, you've been traveling. You've been visiting different family members. And the, so many of the stories that they are sharing really goes back to the judgment mm peace. You're not acceptable because you're different. And I think back over, over my life. And I think, I don't know if this started as a teenager. I really do think that I felt strongly this way when my twenties that tattoos were wrong. So I don't know where that came from, Yeah, but it's like when that is a 
almost kind of a bedrock of belief. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I don't know that not all of our kids, I think three of our four kids have tattoos. Mm. And it seems like now everywhere I turn, especially the younger generation, they have tattoos. And it's wow, that it's like you get into that space and you go, I need to really examine my own judgment on that, mm. my own belief system on that. Yeah. Like, where did where did that come from? And I may still conclude that I personally am not interested in having one, but that doesn't mean mm. that there's something bad or wrong with them for having it. Yeah. And I think I mentioned tattoos because I think that's probably the least dangerous topic to bring up. And it is still touchy. For some people, I'm yeah, sure it is. it is. But I just think there's so many things where you may not agree, but it's like that whole judgment thing just destroys connection. Totally. And most recently we had a couple of nephews come to visit. We had so much fun with them. And, but it's like you hear stories and you see their life choices and where they are. And I'm so thankful that they felt so welcomed in our home and felt loved and they weren't in a hurry to leave. And it was just like, I'm so thankful that we can create that kind of space. Right. But the way you create that kind of space is that you value connection over judgment. Mm. And I think too, Glenn is so great at having such awesome conversations. You know, I'm the tasker, so I'm more about making sure everybody's fed, yeah. where Glenn will just sit and talk for hours. But I think that there's such safety when you know this person isn't condemning me or judging me, but it doesn't mean that Glenn approves of all of their choices because in some ways you go, yeah, you're on a destructive road. Mm. You probably need to get some stuff aligned here. And they know they're on a destructive road. Yeah. And when they feel safe with you, it's like they're able to go, yeah, I'm mm. stuck and I don't, I'm so afraid of, of what to do next. Have I told Glenn this so many times? I said, I'm just so proud of you and so thankful that I know when we open our home up to people, they're going to be loved well. Right. And there's not going to be the judgment. And that's why I think for you, the, the tears come when you read the quote, because I think you have felt that you have felt sure. for your whole life, probably that people have been trying to put you in a certain box mm -hmm. and you don't fit in a box. Yeah. And it's interesting. We were at a dinner this week and it was with other therapists, which I also think kind of blows my mind because they started talking about obs obsessive compulsive disorder. I didn't even ask you if you just felt hurt by that. It was just so ridiculous. There's a David and I would. I'm so used to it now. But yeah. they talk about some alien, some right. probably in Nebraska mm. or somewhere. Like, yeah. And we were all strangers to each other, yeah. sitting at a, a large dinner table, so mm. in close proximity of each other. And they were talking about treating people with obsessive compulsive mm. disorder and that they purposefully make all the frames crooked. Right. Because, oh, wow. And, and they put ripped up paper on the floor because they know it'll bother them. And just, mm. they all talked you notice to, I did not punch anyone. I, but I'm proud very proud of you, but yeah. I was just sitting there dumbstruck. You don't know, but that mm. someone is sitting here at the table with you that deals with obsessive compulsive disorder and y'all are making fun of it. Wow. You're talking about like, that's how this treatment center has all their pictures. And I'm just like, wow, there is... To me, I just felt there was so much judgment mm. on it, not yeah. kindness, not right. compassion. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, yeah. how does that 
impact someone that's sitting at this table that you're basically, you know, I like that. Obviously, those are aliens. People who deal with mm. obsessive compulsive disorders are just aliens and they need a treatment center where all the picture frames are crooked. And yeah. they're, they're broken and messed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. But yeah. I think that just comes from judgment. Totally. From not understanding. And Glenn, you're always saying pathologizing people. Mm -hmm. Like we want to put a label on someone and go, okay, now we finally figured it out. Yeah. Shoot. We thought yeah, you were crazy, and, and now we know that, you are. Yeah, it doesn't even mean that we agree. I sat with a young man a while back that um, he says before he gets out of bed every morning, he smokes a joint, and he says it just helps him to to stabilize through the day. And I spent a bit of time with him. Uh, he doesn't like to work. He's broke all the time, and he hates that. So I can judge him, and I've been around a bit. I'm 62. I've seen a bit of life. I know his formula is guaranteed disaster. Mm -hmm. And he's already living it. He recognizes that. He just doesn't know where this disaster comes from. And so because I didn't judge him, and I'm able to just, at various points, said to him, I said, dude, I, I guess I feel some fear for you because you seem like a super talented guy, and I'm just not sure staying stoned helps maximize that ability. For you and he had never considered that before his parents had been fussing at him for years to get his act together stop doing this stop doing that and they judged the behavior continuously mm. i don't really care about the behavior i'm just and again i'm not saying it's beneficial i'm not agreeing or condoning i just know that's going to squelch him and even in having conversations with him you know, it's very difficult for him to even focus yeah so to, to have any sort of successful endeavors is going to be super difficult for him and because we spent some time together, I was able to coach him a little bit. But again, that takes acceptance to begin with, whereas his parents have been judging him for years and telling him to stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Well, he's doing what he's doing on purpose to protect himself. Not, I don't mean on purpose as in trying to be detrimental, but he's overwhelmed with life every day. Mm. And when he smokes a joint in the morning while he's still in bed, it numbs him and mm. he's able to make it through the first hour, the first half day, and so that works. It's a solution. I'm not saying it's wow. a great solution, but it is the solution. And what had happened with his parents and some others in his life is they're judging the actual solution that's helping him. Again, I'm not saying it's the best setup, but it's actually helping him. Whereas if they could slow down with him and find out what's happening for him, they could help set him up for success. Totally. Yeah. I think that there is this huge judgment layer of it when we go back to our homes or our hometown or or we're in groups especially with people we've spent a lot of time with that we can easily feel judged by them and i also think about other boxes that we can feel that we're put in especially going back to our families of origin and sometimes it's a box that we created when we were 10 years old mm. we we were either we fit this specific personality profile or we made these specific decisions maybe we were the wild kid and then you grow up and you become an adult and you're no longer quote unquote the wild kid but your family of origin still treats you views you as that same person that you were 20 35 years ago. And so then now this box doesn't feel like it fits anymore because you've changed the walls of the box. Yet every time you step back in, mm -hmm. they put they try to put the old walls back up. And so you lose identity. You don't feel understood. And you just want to leave. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I talk to a, a lot of friends. There aren't many that are excited to go home mm-hmm. for the holidays. In fact, we just wrapped up Thanksgiving and I was talking to a friend after who traveled to be with their mom for the holidays. He was like, I tried to spend as little time at her house as possible. Mm-hmm. So I just kept making appointments with all these other people and having lunches and doing all these things. And it it's because we don't feel like we fit where we go. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons. Or there's pain in the space that we're in. So if we can create those atmospheres where we can show up as our authentic self, who we are today, even in the season, um, and... If someone is coming against you or trying to put you into an old box, I think you should correct them and be like, yeah, that was 10-year-old me. This is who I am today. Mm -hmm. And I think that just the more and more that we show people that the walls of our boxes have changed, they need to catch up. Mm -hmm. And also in this conversation, I keep thinking, how are we showing up in our own family? And so... If all of us are, not all of us, if many of us are dreading coming home, well, they're coming home to me. Mm. We're all playing a role in who these people are all coming home to. Mm -hmm. So am I still treating my sister the way I did when we were 10 years old? Mm. Am I judging my brother's actions for the life choices that he has made? Mm. How am I showing up to create this atmosphere of safety for those people in my family of origin. And I think that both of those things live side by side when we think about going home for the holidays. Mm. Well, and I, I do think it is, I think we've laid out the problem. Mm. So I think it's really good to talk about just, yeah, how do I show up in that space? Mm. I do want to be around family. So how do I show up and I do think, and that's one of the things I love about the connection codes, and I've actually been able to do this with my own family of origin. Um, I'm the youngest of eight. I've mentioned that many times. My oldest sister has already passed away, but so there's seven of us now. But I've been able to have the conversations where I can say, I lose identity when I'm with you. Mm. And that is not a common term. So often it leads to what does that mean? Which then gives the opportunity to say the definition of that and that I don't feel that I'm good enough for you. And I I had this conversation with one of my sisters. Um, she's 17 years older than I am. And we kind of, it was a really good conversation. And she realized in that conversation and in thinking about it that she passed judgment on me when I was 17 and she has lived based on that judgment all these years. Mm -hmm. And it, it it was very, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know the word I would put on it. It was really good for me to hear that. Mm -hmm. There's been many years lost because I was 17 a long time ago. So you kind of go, oh, for 40 plus years, you've kind of lost that relationship because there was judgment made against you when you were 17. It's yeah. So it's not that, oh, now we have this great relationship. Right. There's, there's not a lot there. But it was such a great conversation because it came from me being honest, right. from me saying, I feel a lot of pain and I feel a loss of identity. Mm-hmm. And then to discover 
that was really helpful, I think, for both of us. I, I think it was for her and for I to, to know um, where this all started. I, I think it's me. I think in that sentence, <laughs> I say me, not I. I. But it is <laughs> interesting. That, you know, there's way pre-connection codes for us. But to think, if your sister had come to you, whatever, a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month after the event had happened in your life and said the three phrases, she said, hey, I just wanted to catch up. What happened for you? Mm. In that fill me up fill me in with what i'm missing oh my gosh mm-hmm. we just changed the world mm-hmm. for this relationship forever mm-hmm. and instead literally over four decades later uh and i don't know that she was even following your energy in that she said well i just want to let you know that i've no i think you. she was i i think she was following my energy in that conversation mm-hmm. i felt very heard and seen and right like yeah, yeah. and yeah. she expressed a lot of sadness that she mm-hmm. had made that well, not just that she'd made the judgment, but that she'd held on to it for 40 years. Right. And so, yeah. but I think for those that are about to travel and to go be with family, I love what you said, Tira. I think that's super powerful to question, how do I show up in that space? Yeah, Am I still treating true. my siblings the way I always have, or my parents, yeah. or am I changing that? Am I even saying, oh, I feel some guilt about some things and I just want to share that with you. Yeah. and. I think that vulnerability and authenticity is mm. really powerful and it's not always received. Right. So let's be clear on that. I mean, there's, there's moments that that is painful and, but often, especially if there's multiple people, one person will really hear that vulnerability yeah. and mm. receive it and then come to you even in private and go, can we talk about that some more? Cause yeah. that really, that really was important to me. And that meant right. a lot to me that you talked about your guilt and, and your shame from right. some of the stuff in our teenage years. Mm. Yeah, And I think there's so much power in the third phrase to be able to say to whoever it is, but to be able to go to someone and say, I think I might've missed mm-hmm. something with you. Could you catch me up mm. on what happened for you? I'm just amazed that the three phrases virtually always, I don't like saying always, virtually always set you back on track at least towards connection. Mm. And for mm. me to be able to say to someone, I think I missed something last, an hour ago, last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago, 40 years ago, could you catch me up on what I missed with what happened for you? And you're literally back on track towards connection. Totally. To me. Yeah, I love that. And I also think about when you're in that space as well, because some of it, there's different things that can add to your pain. Some of it is the loss of identity of people viewing you in an identity that you don't associate with either anymore or you never even did. They view you in a way that you don't see your own self. And that's really painful. Sometimes you're going home to a space that's actually really painful. Even just being in the house feels really painful it could even just be you're all different personality types like what we were talking about earlier and so i think in that situation too to find the value there to to recognize the beauty of how different we all are and one of the biggest things that we teach at the connection codes is the phrase of like get curious with each other and when we can get curious with our other family members about themselves and ask them well what is happening for you why do you believe that because we all know 
trigger topics are going to come up mm. over the two hours or two days that you're there. It's going to be politics or religion or what you've decided to do with your life or some past event. There are going to be those moments mm -hmm. that feel very triggering inside of our body. And so when we do that, when we can slow ourselves down and get curious about the other person, which I am talking to myself right now, just so you know, my mother is listening, mama, I'm working really hard on this myself. Um, when we can slow down and get curious about each other, that does, it creates the connection of what you were describing earlier. And when we can connect even through our quote unquote differences, that creates a home that people want to come back to. So if you want to have a family of origin, if you're the parents listening and you have grown children or now you have in-laws and grandkids and all these spaces and you want a home that they want to come to for the holidays. I think the best way you can achieve that is be getting curious about your kids mm -hmm. yeah, and realizing yeah. that they've taken a path that may be different than the path you envisioned or their personality has evolved over time or their views have evolved. And when you get curious about them, that's what makes them want to come to you. That's what mm -hmm. makes them want to connect with you and have a house filled at the holidays where we're learning about each other. I've always said that I think that God created the system of family to teach us how to get along with people that are different than us. Mm -hmm. I've always thought that. And I don't think we're doing a great job. <laughs> I don't think that we're actually getting along with the people that are different from us. I think that's our training ground for future relationships and workplace and, and all the other relationships we're going to encounter. And I do think there's a lot of value in learning to love, show up in love for these people while also guarding and protecting yourself yeah. and knowing, okay, I had this beautiful conversation with my sister and that felt really healing, but that doesn't mean I have to be your best friend. Right. Knowing right. when the space actually, they're not going to receive that curiosity and they're yeah. not going to meet you yeah. there, creating that boundary for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, and one thing too, I think often at, at holidays, there's a lot of tradition. Oh yeah. Mm. And I think you've got to be willing to let go mm. of some of the traditions yeah. and to make space for new traditions. Mm. And I think because there can be right off the bat some really hurtful things mm. if you're not willing. And I think curiosity brings that to the table. I feel like even being aware of what people are able to eat and be willing to go, hey, you know, we've got a lot of gluten-free coming this holiday. So what can we have mm. on hand? Mm that can be good for the gluten-free kids or grandkids mm. or you know, the in-law that's coming in that's gluten-free instead of going, well, no, I've always fixed this and I'm always going to fix this and having no flexibility. Yeah, I think it's that curiosity of what is best for the family. And I, I think I've shared this in another podcast. As our family continues to grow and our grandkids get older, we are having to be more flexible mm. with even the day that we celebrate Christmas. And so this year, for the very first year ever, we're celebrating on the 27th. And I want to make sure I'm processing the whatever the loneliness in that, but not putting this cloud or stuffing it mm -hmm. and then showing yeah. up in the space. Well, I don't like 
that it's on the 27th, but being able to be flexible mm-hmm. and you know, we're already talking that, you know, we've had two new grandbabies. So we were already planning the menu for the 27th and we're like, well, let's take that, those two families out of the planning mm-hmm. of the food because they've just had babies. The rest of us can do it and let's make it very flow, go with the flow and yeah. easy. And I think that for a lot of families, you've got to show up in that space, mm-hmm. being willing to change some of the traditions. Whose house is it going to be at? It's not any longer at ours where that used to always be the place. And just having that flexibility and yeah. being willing to to bend or to change, yeah. uh, to bless the, the group as a whole, I think yeah. is super important. And it doesn't mean there won't be pain in that. Right. You process that Just process that pain. the pain. And, yeah. and wrapping this up, I would just really encourage people, number one, use the three phrases Mm-hmm. 50 times a day who knows 100 times a day and say literally him. what say, say them again three. oh ooh, what's happening i missed it mm. and all three of those have so much power mm-hmm. the ooh slows you down what's happening you're finding out what's happening with that person or although it may be with yourself uh, and then the i missed it to just being able to convey to people oh shoot well i missed that mm. i'll be darn okay now, i get what made it a painful experience for you because i missed mm-hmm totally mm-hmm. missed that that mattered mm-hmm. to you that doesn't mean you're evil or bad or wrong or stupid it just means you missed it you didn't know mm-hmm. that, that was going to be a pain experience for the other uh, but then also to do the core emotion wheel which mm-hmm. i get it for some people that would be weird just try it i kid you not just try it your kids come home for for christmas day or whatever and just say hey would you do the wheel with me mm-hmm. and they have the right of refusal but just ask them hey can we can we try this can we do the wheel together and of course we hear we get emails continuously from around the world from people that are just like oh my gosh this shifted Mm. everything Mm. for us and i had no idea that my 27 year old son experienced this Mm. and they discover each other again just out of that curiosity Mm. and it's so so connecting yeah and when things come out during that I missed it. It's that new. phrase yeah. is the most beautiful. Yeah. As a mom, knowing that one day I'm going to have a child that comes to me and tells me what I did wrong in my parenting, for me to think I'm not going to mess up is absurd. Right. I'm going to mess up with each of them in some way. And at that point, for me just to ooh them and say, I missed on that mm-hmm. and, and just hold space for them. That is so connecting. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. And we are about to go into our core emotion wheel. And this is our four minute tool. If this mm-hmm. is your first time listening, that helps you to identify what emotions are firing in your body. And the secondary bonus of it is it gives you the opportunity to connect with yeah. others in your relationships. And so if you are even in that space, you've gone back home, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're needed to take a break in the bathroom for a few minutes and take those mm. breaths because you've tried all the things and your family just feels still really painful. Download this wheel, connectioncodes.co forward slash podcast and do it with yourself mm-hmm. in the bathroom during that five minute break before you walk back out to your family. Mm-hmm. And it helps you get mm-hmm. out of your body what you're experiencing and it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna demonstrate what that looks like right now. Okay, who's going first? <laughs> Flip the coin. Okay, I'll go first. Um, well, I think I feel some sad that we didn't do the will with my nephews. Mm. Um, it's such a beautiful experience. Mm. I think I feel hurt when I shared with you my fear that of almost falling down the stairs. Mm. I didn't feel a, a very good ooh oh, from wow. you. I feel hurt by that. Yeah. Um, feel 
lonely. Um, actually, I, f- I have felt super supported by you. So that's a lot of joy because often my loneliness comes with uh, being alone in a lot of tasks, but I have really felt your presence. Oh, wow. So thank you. Um, so my, that's my joy. But I would say my lonely does come. Uh, I'm very aware of it during the holidays and just really trying to stay tuned in to um, the house being quiet. And I miss little children around at this time of year. So there, right. there is some lonely there. Um, let's see. Fear. Oh, I think um, my fear was when I lost my balance and I mm. almost fell down the stairs into our basement. Mm. So that was a very sharp moment mm. of fear. Uh, the guilt and shame. I think the guilt. Um, I know you shared that you have been lonely. I've been with the grandbabies a lot, the new ones, and you've been lonely and just guilt in me not tuning in. Mm to that, tuning into oh. you and pulling you into the world that I'm in right now with those mm. grandbabies. So feel some guilt with that. I think I always experience shame when you, I mean, even yesterday, you know, I came home and I was kind of quiet. And so mm. you immediately thought I was upset with you. And so I think I feel shame when that's the immediate assumption. It took me a, a, few, a little bit, probably mm. way too many minutes to figure out what had actually happened. So what I was really, where my brain was. Right. So feel some shame in those moments. Anger. I had an anger moment um, talking and sharing, and it took me all the way back to my teenage years and how my parents were very distracted during yeah. that time. And just, yeah. wow, the anger that kind of came over me, realizing that have, that influenced and affected me greatly. Wow. And that's why I left home at 17. And kind of crazy going back. That was just brought up to yeah. me uh, just the other day in a conversation. So I felt a lot of anger in that. I well, think that's all yeah. eight. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. For me, let's see, I'm blanking on everything. Oh, I don't okay. think I've had any emotions this week. I guess not. At all. Listen to you. So, who knows? The last um, time, the big time. <laughs> How about that? Well, I'll start with joy because that's always easy and, and fun. You know, there's so much joy, everything with you this time of year. Mm-hmm. Of course, we had Thanks. a sex date the other night, which was spectacular mm-hmm. and just so ugh, just so special. It's amazing to me. I think it reflects the genius of God, mm-hmm. the whole design mm-hmm. of this covenant relationship uh, thing. A, a bit of fear. I just switched to a Mac. Dun, dun, dun. Big life <laughs> event. I'm so much wow. fear because my computer died yesterday and... You know, Tira worked it out. I have a new computer. I've never had a Mac before and went well this morning doing sessions, but a lot of fear because mm. I was like, oh, this, there's no way this will work. <laughs> and she helped me a lot. She saw wow. me up. Mm. Pain yesterday when my computer died. I'm like, really? Wow. I just wanted to throw it through the window, which I think I've had the thing for eight years or something. Actually, so. that was the one you got in 2020. Because your old one what? was so bad, the camera on it was so bad, you needed a new oh, you're computer, right. laptop. So you got a, Only another three one. Three years, well, yeah. darn. Okay, well, three and a half. Yep. But anyway, there's pain when it, uh, a lot of sadness. Uh, just I couldn't believe it, and then loneliness in that because I'm like, oh crap, I got so much to do, mm. and I've and again, tear has been phenomenal, but I just felt the lonely of, <gasps> I can't handle all this. I mm. need help. Yeah, I get that. Let's see. Hurt, some hurt. Just you've been so amazing with the, our new grandbabies and being there for them. And mm-hmm. at times, I certainly the loneliness of it, but sometimes hurt that I, which I think is good and right, but I quickly descend 
mm. the, the level of priority because we're trying to keep those little munchkins alive yeah. and keep yeah, their newborn that. parents sane, mm. uh, which is a lot. I'm guilt and shame when I don't convey that to you well, when mm. I don't I convey through the emotion instead of the mm. emotion. Wow. Some anger. There have been a couple of emails the last week or two that were not... Um, great not what i would like for them to be and i get it they've experienced a whole bunch of things leading mm. them to that but i feel anger in that mm. uh, sometimes wow thank you okay i feel guilt because i interrupted you during your wheel and said it wasn't eight years it was three and a half and that is uh, such a bad example mm, we're not great. supposed to interrupt Maybe during the wheel edit that <laughs> so we don't ruin well, the whole world's population <laughs> yeah i'll leave it as the bad example there you no, go thank you <laughs> Um, yes, we don't interrupt each other. You'll see that the majority of their will, they just created space for each other. And they shared things that it would have been easy to defend. Mm. Well, I have to be with the grandbabies. Mm. Typically, would go straight into that defensive mode or fixed mode. But when we just create space mm. for each other to share our experience... Yep. That is so incredibly connecting. And so as you go into this holiday season, I encourage you on the drive there with your partner or text your best friend before you go, do the core emotion wheel before you even get out of the car with each other. I actually love when I hear people are doing the wheel in their car. Someone the other night said that they're on a road trip. They're like, we've been doing the wheel a lot. And it does, it brings us so much joy Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of tension even in the drive going Mm -hmm. before you walk in the door. I did want to mention that one thing that as connection code protocol, just that people are not trying to experience what they experience. No one is Mm -hmm. trying to feel pain. No one is trying to feel Mm -hmm. fear. No one's planning that for their day. So when I feel pain, over Phyllis being gone so much, she can tell me to stop it. She can tell mm-hmm. me I shouldn't be feeling pain. Well, I'm not trying to feel pain. I just mm-hmm. am. And she gets it that, oh, that's just what's happening. It does not mean she's going to needs to change what she's doing. What she's doing is good and right and wonderful mm-hmm. and beautiful and awesome. Uh, but I still feel some pain. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, And I also just, as you're going home, I hear so many people refer to themselves as like, I'm the black sheep of the family. I hear that from everybody. Guys, I think we all feel that. I I think that everyone... It's a whole herd. We're all black sheep. And so I think that if we can even walk into our family of origin, instead of focusing on, well, I'm the black sheep, be like... Europe, you feel like a black sheep too. I think it just creates so much compassion and empathy for us. Um, and, and it helps soften that gap between us and our parents or our siblings. And we all have our own stories that we're walking in the door with. And when we can get curious about those stories and hold space for each other, that is how we can function in a household of people that live connected. And so again, I encourage you to download our Core Emotion Will for free so you can do it in your car. You can do it in the bathroom when you need space. You can do it with your children. And it is completely free on our website currently at connectioncodes.co forward slash podcast. And we thank you so much for being here. We have so much joy that y'all show up and you listen and you share. And I, and I hope you will share this episode with your friends. I know y'all talk. I know that y'all talked after Thanksgiving and somebody processed with you how painful home was. So your friend that you talked to that said that, send them this episode so they can prep for Christmas mm-hmm. and not feel that same type of pain in the same way. They can process it with you. So we do all of this because you need this. You deserve this. So So let's let's do do this. this. Let's do this.